As we dive into today's message, I just want to go over the last little bit of that again. And this is starting in verse 27. It says, Just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, What are you doing? Or why are you talking to her? And then, leaving her jars, the woman went back and said to the people, Come see the man who told me everything. Before we dive into this message, because this is a message that really hits home with me, and some of you that know my story know the irony of me delivering this message. But before we dive into this message, let's just lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we, we lift our hearts to you. We ask that you just continually to pour out your mercy because our hearts overflow with gratitude for you are the mighty creator. God, only you can breathe life into dead objects. You sustain life eternally and you gave your son in our place for all of our sins. And she had no idea that she was standing before the sacrificial lamb that was there to bless her, God, but also to forgive her sins. Thank you, Lord, for every opportunity that you put angels around us. May we receive this message today. May it pierce our hearts. And God, we ask that you write it on our hearts so when we walk out of this sanctuary, we walk differently because we have encountered you. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son. Amen. So there's a lot to unpack here. So first... If you've heard some of the previous messages I've been going through, through June, we talked about the potter's clay, the potter's wheel, last week the potter's hands, and today we're going to talk about the potter's purpose. So as we come to John, the fourth chapter, this was in the early days of Jesus' ministry. He meets this woman, the Samaritan woman. Now she represents in many ways the spiritual thirst that so many have when they don't have God in their life and they don't have hope. You see, some drink from the well of success. Some drink from the well of materialism. Some drink from the well of pleasure. But all are temporary. They can temporarily quench your thirst. You see, this woman at the well was an outsider. She was an outcast from her own society because of shame. She was guilty because she broke covenants. This Jewish man, Jesus, the traveling rabbi and his disciples, they had traveled such a long distance. They'd been on the road for a very long time. and It was midday and they were tired and they were hungry. And he sends the disciples on in to, to town to find food. And Jesus rests at the well. And here comes a woman. She's coming to the, collect the water and, and she's tired and she's thirsty. And Jesus asked her for a drink to engage her in conversations. How many times have you been somewhere and out of the blue a conversation will spark and when you're done with it you're like, where did that come from? I don't even know how I got into that conversation. It's probably how she felt. Now you see this woman had three strikes against her. No man should have ever been seen talking to her if he had good intentions. This should have kept Jesus from ever talking to her because first the woman was alone. Now during that time it was very inappropriate 
for a man and woman to have a conversation in public, but yet isolated and alone. Just doesn't happen. And if we're going to fully understand Scripture, we have to look at this in context. So when the disciples came back later and they see what's happening, I like to think there's a little bit of panic that sets in because think about it. They, they knew the laws inside and out. They knew the Scriptures inside and out. And all of a sudden, they weren't following what was supposed to happen. The Scripture went against their customs, their cultural customs. But Scripture says, just then the disciples came back and they marveled because he was talking to this woman. So that was another strike, but yet this strike was against Jesus because he was having this conversation with her. I mean, she's a woman. They were alone. That doesn't happen. He's a rabbi. Now, again, some of y'all that know my story, you kind of get the irony of me delivering this, this message today. But in this time, this woman at the well would have been deemed a complete outcast and would have never, ever according to those around her, been used by God. You see, I say this is irony for me to deliver this message because I didn't grow up in church. There was nothing church-ish about my childhood. Now, I had godly people around me. I didn't know what that meant. To me, Jesus was a man in a storybook, and that book was kept in a bottom drawer, and we never opened it. And the only scripture I knew was John 3.16 because I went to, to... I was invited to VBS and we made the little soap Bibles. <laughs> and that's the only thing I knew was John 3.16. and still didn't understand it and honestly didn't care because I had no foundation. And you see, things that happened in my life early, statistically, I should have been dead at a very early age. But God doesn't listen to statistics. Customs do. And so the disciples were shocked. So the second thing was, second strike against her, was she was a Samaritan. Well, let's look at what that means. So Samaritans were considered a mixed-up group, literally. As history goes, the kingdom of Israel was divided. The southern kingdom became known as Judah. And this is where the, the palace of the Davidic kings and the temples of the Lord would remain in Jerusalem. And the northern tribes, when they broke off, they set out to have a new capital and a new king, and this was not in the Davidic line. This was in the city of Samaria. They also set up a couple of rival shrines to God that was not authorized by God. So this area was considered off-limits, so to speak. It was not the greatest neighborhoods that you would want to be seen in or go to. And a couple hundred years later, around 700 B.C., the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrian army. Now the people in these northern tribes were scattered. The Assyrians brought in their own people. They brought in Gentiles. And they just scattered everyone. And they started slowly losing their identity. And let's be honest. With our, our youth and our young, that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to distort and take away identity. And what I mean by that is them knowing who they are because of whose they are. That's the ultimate identity. Now, in this intention to break down this, this group was to remove their identity of who they are as God's people. 
Over time, these people, they intermarried and the different nations became their, their cultural identities. And these people became weak, if you will, in the eyes of the Jews because they didn't hold to the standards. They didn't hold to the customs. And so their religion slowly began to erode away. They started having a, a pagan influence, which was quite negative, with their beliefs and their practices. They were no longer a beacon of God. So that's why these Samaritans were considered a mixed-up group of people, both ethnically and religiously. That's who this woman at the well was. She had lost her identity and had no idea she was standing in front of the one that would tell her where her identity can be found. You see, I was one of those people. That's why it's ironic for me to give you this message today. So that was another strike against her. But the thing is, she knew it. This is why she replies to Jesus by saying, How is it you as a Jew ask me for a drink, a woman from Samaria? You see, there's this extra detail that's added to the, to the scripture that I love, and it says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So for keeping score, that's two strikes against her. And I don't watch baseball, but a friend of mine said, hey, in baseball terms, she's about to be completely struck out at the plate or at the well, if you will, pun intended. The scripture tells us that she was at the well at the sixth hour. This is very important because this was not a natural time for women to come to the well. It was not a natural time, especially for women to come alone. This was during the heat of the day when men would be traveling and she would find herself alone. She would be unprotected. This would put her in the heat of the day, unprotected, isolated, there's every opportunity for something to happen to her, and no one would know. But she went to the well because she didn't want to deal with other people. How many times have you done something? You're like, I'll just go now because I know nobody's going to be there. I'll be honest, I've got a friend of mine. That I'll go shopping at Walmart and get my groceries at 11 p.m. because I know nobody's going to be there. And I can just zip through the aisles. And so many times, because we're avoiding human contact, we put ourselves in danger. We don't always know it. She didn't want to deal with people. She didn't want their stares. She didn't want their gossip. So strike three for her is when she's at the well, an immoral woman, ostracized by her community. She's heavy laden with guilt and with shame, and Jesus knew all this about her. He knew her scandalous life. Just like no matter what mask we try to wear and say, everything's good. Jesus knows the areas that are not good. He's just waiting for us to sit down and have that conversation with him. But with all his divine insight, his purpose was to meet her right where she's at. That's what he did for me. I didn't know to go to him. He came to me. So Jesus asked her, or actually he says, call your husbands. And she dodgingly said, I don't have one. And he replies, yep, you're right. Not one, you got five. Imagine her shock. She's alone in front of a man, and he knows way too many details about her. 
So she's at the well. She's completely loaded with guilt and with shame. And Jesus is engaging in conversation with her. He knows she's a sinner, and yet he does not condemn her. Not saying that he approved of her choices. Far from it. In this world, I hear so many people say, Oh, you're a pastor. You have to love. I do love. I want the best. I don't have to condone and I don't have to accept. But I'm not a judge. All I can do is pray and ask for God to move in their lives because I would want them to do the same for me if they see an area where I'm struggling. But just because Jesus didn't strike down right in the middle of all this and just condemn her and, and break her down, it proves that Jesus is about going to the sinner calling them to repent, recognize the areas in their lives that need to change, actually change, receive forgiveness. And Scripture tells us, Jesus will say, now go and sin no more. Not go out, do it again, come back and talk to me again. Go sin no more. I don't think we realize how many times we are out and about walking around, and whether we realize it or not, we are walking billboards for the kingdom. Everything you do and you say makes an impact on at least five people every single day around you, whether you know them or not. You have the ability to point people back to the hope, those that are spiritually thirsty. Because, you see, Jesus is using this, the water as a metaphor of quenching the thirst. When God is speaking to us today, he still uses parables. I think sometimes we just tune out the conversations. Jesus is telling her, if you know the gifts of God and who it is that's saying, I could give you a drink. You see, this woman is thinking H2O, completely confused. She says, you have nothing to draw the water with. What are you talking about, this living water? Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give you will never thirst again. If you ever come on Tuesday nights, I really encourage you to, especially on testimony night. We have a testimony coming up this Tuesday. And when people are on stage telling you that they have physically been at the well of Jesus and they've had things removed so they never thirst again for it, it's a humbling moment to know that we are standing in the middle of a miracle. Many of us sitting here today, we can look to the left and right. We're sitting among miracles. There's so many times that the enemy has tried to take us out. But God said, no, not this one. I still got plans. So the woman says, sir, give me this water so that I'll never thirst again. She's tired of living this life of guilt and shame. She's tired of living this life the way the world is treating her. Think about it. On the cross, Jesus said, I thirst. He's sinless. He's innocent. He endures this physical agony, but he carries our burdens. He takes on our punishment. He wasn't asking for the worldly water. He was asking God to clench this earthly pain, just, just quench it so he didn't have to deal with it. And upon his death, his side was pierced, and the blood poured out 
the ultimate sacrifice. It's that living water of Jesus that gives us new life today. It's everlasting. And it's freely given. That's something I didn't know growing up. I didn't know that it was freely given. I honestly thought life was just going to be as tough as it was forever and a day. And to be honest, I was trying to figure out when was I going to check out because I was tired of it. But God kept pursuing. And he kept putting godly people in my life. And kept giving them words to say to me. Until about 20 years ago, for the first time, I walked into Clear Branch. And that's where my son and I were baptized. And that's where God anchored me into a family. So many times we're in situations and someone just needs to know they matter. Someone just needs to know they're seen. Somebody just needs to know, I see you and I hear you. That's what the woman at the well needed. That's what I needed. You see, we've been talking about the potter and the clay and how we're to be vessels and we have a purpose to carry living water to those that are thirsty. We also have a purpose to speak the words of forgiveness that God puts on our hearts because he's already prepared the heart to receive it. You see, we have lived already in so much grace. It's time for us to also show grace. I'm not saying accept everything everybody does. Show them a different way of living. That's what happened for me. That's what's happening for the woman at the well. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You see, Jesus always begins with a heart. Every time somebody starts complaining about what's going on, I'm like, hold on, it's a heart issue. You've got to pray for that heart. And when Jesus pronounced his blessings, to all that thirst, like the woman at the well, he starts with the heart. He's telling her, I know you've already done all this stuff. There's nothing to hide. Now let's put the guilt and shame aside. A few small things I want to touch on real quick before we close out. She says, on this mountain where our fathers worshipped. She's actually offering an argument to Jesus. But Jesus didn't take the bait. He wasn't interested in the argument. He's interested in changing lives and winning souls. You see, the Samaritans believed that Moses commissioned the altar and this mountain, the mountain of blessings. But it was also their way of justifying their system of worship, their way of worship, the way they combined the elements, the way they did the same thing over and over and over. The Samaritans also only accepted the five books, the first five books of the Hebrew Scripture. And the rest of them they just didn't pay attention to. Does that sound like today? Every time I turn around, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody going, Can you believe? And I want to yell, Yes. Scripture tells us this will happen. But then Jesus says that hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but you'll only worship the Father. See, Jesus is pointing to a time when we won't focus on the place, but we will focus on the greater work of Jesus. And just as he's telling her this, this is one of the greatest announcements in Scripture. And it was made to a sinful woman. And she's the one that carried this message back. And people wanted to come and see. 
See, that's why it's ironic for me to be the one delivering this message. To worship in spirit means to only be concerned about the spiritual reality. To worship in truth means to worship according to the whole scripture, not just bits and pieces. And he says, I who speak to you today am he. See, even though the woman was a sinner, Jesus revealed himself to her just like he works through provenient grace to reach all those who were lost. I know that because we were just having a conversation about how when I look back, I see the provenient grace, and I didn't see it before. Sometimes the word God gives you may be a stepping stone in somebody's provenient grace. Be obedient. Reach out to them. You're playing a role in God's big plan. So ultimately, I believe, church, that in areas we become very comfortable, way too comfortable in our faith routine, instead of just living out our faith. When I first came, 2019, I would come to this service, and then I would go to the 11 o'clock service over there because I was trying to meet everybody. And I would sit in different areas at the 8.30 service. And they'd say, oh, that's so-and-so's pew. I'm like, okay. And then I'd move. And they'd say, oh, so-and-so sits there. Okay. And then it became a joke. Where's she going to pop up now? <laughs> Where's she going to be now? But the point was, I think we get too comfortable in routine. We get too caught up in routine. And sometimes we miss the blessing of being part of God's hands and feet. I want the blessing. I want to see the excitement in that person's face when God's revealing himself to them because I remember how it was for me. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, just as Moses was in his 80s when he answered your call, God, help us to remember that you're not done with us. You still have great plans to use us. You have great plans for our lives. God, as we pray and leave this building today, I pray that our hearts are moved, our ears are open to you. We want to be active, actively your hands and feet as you shape, mold, and grow your kingdom through provenient grace. God, we ask that you just give us new eyes, new ears, new hearts, new minds so that we see your vision and we live it out for your purpose and your will. God, remove anything in our lives that hinders our walk and keeps us from focusing on you. God, draw us near continuously and, and help us to receive the revelations of your purpose. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son. Amen.